Today on Run With Horses, we're looking at the church, the bride of Christ. What does a healthy one look like? How do you find a healthy one? Well, my name's Norman, and my goal is to help you run your race well, not just surviving, but thriving as a disciple of Jesus. There are a lot of things you can do with your life, but I really don't think anything compares with following Jesus and joining Him on His mission of bringing hope to the nations. So thanks for including me in your spiritual journey. Okay, so the question is, how do you find a good church to be part of? You know, something I talk about a lot, and it seems like online and offline, it's always a discussion that a lot of people are wondering about. I'm looking for a body of believers that are healthy that I'd like to be part of, but how do you find one? And realistically, in some parts of the world, it is incredibly difficult for different reasons. So I have spent most of the last 20 years in Japan, and in Japan, you may not live in a community with a church. There could be just almost no Christians, or there may be no Christians in your community. Or there could be one church, but it's not exactly a really great one for many reasons. It could be doctrinally. It could be that's just unhealthy because of relationships. So there are many reasons it might not be an awesome choice. So it can be very difficult in some contexts. In other contexts, like in the United States, there's almost too many choices. You know, can can you even visit every church in your city if you live in a large city in the United States? So how do you even begin when you have hundreds of churches that are there? Or if you only have a few, either way, you, you still have some basic things that you want to consider as you're looking for a healthy church to be part of. So I'm I'm old-fashioned. And make no bones about that. I'm old-fashioned. A lot of people start looking for church, and the first thing they do is get online. And that probably will be (laughs) some of the process that you'll want to use. But I always try to begin with people. So if you're moving into a new area and you're looking for a church to go to, ideally, you either know someone in the area already, a fellow believer, and you can ask them, hey, can you kind of give me an overview of the churches in the area that you would recommend or that you think are worth checking out? That's my first choice always, because if I have someone that I know, and they may even be biased, and I understand they're biased a little differently than I would be, I can take that into consideration. But I still would like to find somebody to ask. They may know, broadly speaking, oh, these are different churches you want to stay away from. Hey, that's, that's good to know. If you can't find someone who's in the area, the second choice would be, are there believers who are familiar with churches in the area or who have family there or for any reason would have knowledge? A lot of times, if you're moving, maybe to a different part of the state, might be easier. You can ask your pastor, are you familiar with churches in the area? Do you have any that you would recommend? Particularly if you're happy with your church situation now, your pastor might be familiar with churches that he fellowships with in that area that would be worth checking out. They could still be very different, but at least it's a good starting point. At the very least, when you talk to people, you can rule out some options and say, okay, that one's probably not one that I'm going to be comfortable with, whether it's because of their music or because of something else about uh, their church tradition, or it's one that I'm at least I would like to check out. You can put an asterisk there to later check it out in, per- in person. So I, I always want to start with people. And ultimately, that's that's where we're going to end up. You, you want to start with talking to people, and ultimately you're going to end up in person in the church talking to people. So in the middle, there are some things you can do to help you 
determine maybe a priority for which churches you would want to visit first. And that's really about all you can do with some of the other things we're going to talk about. They can only say, this one's worth checking out before I would check out some of the other ones, or these are probably not worth checking out based on some of these things we'll find out. First thing for me, after I talk to a a pastor, and depending on the pastor you talk to, or depending on who you talk to, you may be able to skip some of these steps. Because if I'm talking to my pastor and he says, oh yeah, here's a church we fellowship with, absolutely love them. The pastor's awesome. They're doing a really good job. And he can run through some of those things with you. Maybe he's, he's taught there. He's really familiar with people in the church. You may be able to skip some of these steps because, okay, you already are comfortable with there in the same ballpark. They're teaching doctrine in the same ballpark that we are. A lot of the way they do things is probably familiar. So you might be able to skip some steps. If you can't do that, okay, I'm going to start with the assumption that Baptist doctrine is intended to be an honest attempt to be biblical doctrine. So Baptist or Baptistic churches will be my first stop. And it, it is an unfortunate truth that Baptist doctrine does not equal biblical practice all, t- all the time. Uh, that's, that's an unfortunate truth. So I, I'm still going to have to visit and see how do they live this out. And there, there are Baptist churches that are both uh, too legalistic for me, and there are Baptist churches that are too liberal for me. And in either case, I'm not really going to be comfortable there. Uh, their doctrine may be this identical, but their practice would be miles and miles apart. And in some cases, their practice might not be what their doctrine teaches. So uh, that's an unfortunate truth as well. Different problem. So with naming of churches being what it is these days, you're not necessarily going to be able to look at the name on a church and know what their doctrine is and know what their teaching is. Just because the name doesn't say Baptist doesn't mean that they're not a Baptist church. Uh, Just because their name says Baptist doesn't mean that their doctrine is um, what you would agree with. So many Baptist churches, uh, Bible churches, community churches, and even a lot of non-denominational churches have a similar, if not identical, doctrinal statement. That's both a good thing and a bad thing. I think it's a good thing in that I believe biblical doctrine is going to show itself. Churches that say our goal is to teach what the Bible teaches— they're going to be in the same ballpark. Now, there's there's some room for interpretation. It depends on how detailed a doctrinal statement gets. Some doctrinal statements will get really, really detailed, and there's going to be disagreement about interpretation. Other doctrinal statements are so broad that almost anybody can fit under it. So you kind of have to <laughs> use some judgment there. You know, a, a good doctrinal statement is going to hit the point where you can you can see that they're trying to be a biblical church and be uh, teach what the Bible teaches, but they're not arguing about things that maybe would be considered gray areas or putting for, forward a preference in an area where the Bible allows preference. That shouldn't be in your doctrinal statement. You, you might have a church covenant that says this group of believers have covenanted together, and um, in addition to our doctrinal statement, we have some other things that, that identify us. There's nothing wrong with that. And a lot of people don't like that. Say, oh, that's not what the Bible teaches. Hey, if a group of people have said, this is how we're going to identify ourselves, their doctrine is one thing, but they have a church covenant that things that they as a church have covenanted together for, you can read that and join that or not. I think that's perfectly fine. That actually would solve a lot of our problems if churches would, and people would recognize that a group of people has the right to identify themselves how they want to. 
that's part of the freedom that we have in Christ. It's part of the freedom we have uh, as Baptists. The, the I, if you go through that uh, acronym, individual soul liberty, we have the freedom to join this group and and covenant together with them however we want to. Uh, there's a lot of freedom in how we as a group choose to identify and follow Christ. So we have to understand that freedom, but it does make it a lot more difficult when you're looking for a good church to be part of. So that's true too. So I definitely want to see a doctrinal statement. The difficulty comes when you need to look at, do they have a church covenant? And how do they actually live this out? The fact that they say, this is what the Bible teaches and this is what we believe, does not always equate to biblical practice on a day-to-day basis. It doesn't equate to living out some of those truths. So you can only learn so much. And really, you can get some of this from a, a church website. They might have their doctrinal statement listed. A church website can definitely tell you a little bit about who a church is. So maybe their doctrinal statement, any creeds they follow, how they identify themselves in the community. A website can show you a lot of what a church does. Their service times, they have small groups, they have a counseling ministry. Uh, a website really cannot let you get to know the church, however. You, you can get a general impression, but I've seen some amazing websites that obviously were professionally done, but then you go to the church, you go, I don't think anybody in this church probably made this, or maybe they have the one guy who that's his job. But the church website doesn't reflect the reality of the atmosphere of the church. So just because they have a flashy website does not mean it's a flashy church. Just because they have kind of a boring website that's not well-maintained doesn't mean that the church is not hopping and just really alive and has wonderful relationships. So you, you can't really judge a church by its website, <laughs> if you know what I mean. So it, it is one step. It's worth looking at because it might give some information, but I would never choose one or not choose one because of their website. It's just another tool to help you answer some of the questions that you're going to have. So what do you look for as you're looking for a church that has biblical doctrine, their doctrinal statements is in line with what uh, you understand it to be. The theology is the same. So uh, Mark Deaver wrote a book called The Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. And the nine marks he gives are a good place to start. It says uh, expositional preaching is the first one. Biblical theology, uh, the gospel, a biblical understanding of conversion, a biblical understanding of evangelism, a biblical understanding of church membership, biblical church discipline, concern for uh, discipleship and growth, and biblical church leadership. So you notice throughout there, I mean, almost everyone uh, says biblical. So we're, we understand that we want all of this to be based on the foundation of the Bible. So uh, whether it's the gospel and how it's applied. Uh, and it's kind of interesting there that he gives several things that to me are just maybe expanding the, the same thing. So when you think about the gospel, conversion, and evangelism, um, you know, we're, all, we're in the same ballpark there and we're talking about that. So you want to understand what the Bible says about the truth and the gospel and how that changes us and also the responsibility that we have. So all that is, is definitely part of that. So those are all good. Uh, I don't have any problem with considering those things and thinking about those things. Is everyone an absolute uh, requirement? Yeah, you'd want to say, yeah, if a church is biblical, it's going to live out these things biblically. Um, some people are going to maybe have different biblical understandings of things like church membership. So when you look at the nine marks, you understand that 
two churches say we're, we're using the Bible as our guide and their doctrinal statement is the same, but this is one of those places where their church covenant, their church creed might be a little different. Their church uh, membership might be different and it might be a great church. And two churches can have different views of how membership works and be really, really good. Uh, so things like that are maybe harder to judge. You know, the eighth one there is concern for discipleship and growth. It's like, it's kind of an odd way to put it, uh, concern for discipleship and growth. Um, certainly, we should be concerned about growth. Uh, personally, I, I think disciple-making has to be much higher on the list than that. That is kind of the result of biblical doctrine. If you understand what the Bible teaches, it teaches us that we're to follow Jesus and we're to be growing in Christ-likeness and we're to be obedient to Scripture. So, a lot of these things, to me, flow out of this biblical doctrine and saying, I want to apply it. So, it's a good place to start. It's an actually a, not a bad book. It's a, it's a small book. If you'd like to read that, The Nine Marks of a Healthy Church by uh, Mark Deaver, um, it does give you some things to think about. Uh, the IMB, a Southern Baptist, have an article on the 12 characteristics of a healthy church. And I put the link in the show notes. It's very short. I mean, they don't give a lot of information about each one of these, but they do give some thoughts about things that should be included in a healthy church. And it's interesting, again, in this article, every single one of these is preceded by the word biblical. So I suppose it's good not to assume anything, uh, but I'm going to leave that out as I tell you what the 12 are. But every one of these, so the first one's evangelism, and actually in the list says biblical evangelism. So the 12 characteristics of a healthy church, according to the IMB, evangelism, discipleship, membership, leadership, teaching and preaching, ordinances, worship, Prayer, fellowship, accountability and discipline, giving and mission. Uh, and again, all of those, I think, are real results of practicing biblical doctrine, following biblical teaching. So, uh, as the old saying goes, the devil is in the details. <laughs> what, what exactly do they mean by discipleship? I find that's a term that almost every church anymore uses, but I don't think they all use it in the same way. And membership, again, is a word that I, I, many, many, many churches, if not most churches, use that, even if they say we have no membership. <laughs> so they use the term, but it's not always clear exactly how their membership works. Uh, leadership. Well, again, a church has leadership of some kind, even if their official position is to have um, community leadership, okay? So it's not telling you what kind to have there. So when you're when you're evaluating a church, a list like this might not be as helpful as you'd like it to be because there's variation in there. I, I personally would believe there's more than one kind of church leadership that would be biblical, that would be perfectly fine, and that could end up with an awesome church. So I'm not going to say because this church has elders and that one has a single pastor that this one's better than that one or that one's better than this one. I think both of those, uh, at times, have really, really good churches have that style of leadership. So um, it's hard to <laughs> it's hard to come away with something that's helpful from a list like this, and say that a church um, believes in discipleship and they do something for discipleship. You might get that from their website. It doesn't really give you the details that you're going to need to know a lot about how they mean that and what that looks like over the long haul. Just because a church has a discipleship class, I'm not going to dismiss them, although I would say that's really not what discipleship is. Uh, just because a church has small groups, I'm not going to say that church is awesome because I, I do think small groups are important, but they can also be 
become just a social club. Although fellowship is listed. So if a small group is there and their sole purpose to meet is for fellowship, it is accomplishing one of their goals. So again, these 12 characteristics are worth looking at. The article's short. Go ahead and read it. But uh, it's difficult to make a any kind of decision based on these things. Because you can go through this list. And I, personally, I don't know of any church that I have been a part of in the last 50 years that wouldn't say that all of these are important to them. Every single one. Every single church would say that every single one of these is in their church. It's part of why they exist. And they're doing it. But those churches have varied in their health, uh, varied in how uh, good they are at assimilating new members, at, at reaching the community and, and all the things uh, that are there. They, they think it's important. They still vary in their ability to do it well. Some of the churches were healthy, had great relationships, encouraging each other. Other churches were very divided and they're, they're falling apart. And you say, well, they're not living out this. Well, I would agree, but it's still there. <laughs> it's still in their list. And it does make it hard because you're not going to be drug into all of the problems in a church right off the bat when you're visiting very often. And if you are, then, hey, you can run away right away. So all these are good to think about. But basically, they're long lists that don't get into the details that you need when you're really evaluating the health of a church. And is this a church that I want to be part of? So I want to try to emphasize a few things that might help you as you're asking questions. Yeah, you certainly want to look at these, these lists, and, and they're going to help you answer some questions. Having answered all those questions, the way that some of these things are answered is really important. So that idea of the foundation of God's Word, you know, both of these lists re-repeat and repeat and repeat the idea that these things need to be biblical. And that's absolutely foundationally true, all 100%. The Bible has to be taught, and it has to be followed. You know, there should be a real love for God and His Word, and you should see that. You should see that in Sunday school. You should see that in uh, the joy in people. And just because you don't see it right away doesn't mean it's not there. There are different people that are more expressive. Some churches have a naturally kind of a, a quiet demeanor. Some are very are bubbly and loud. It depends on the, the people who are there. But Jesus is lifted up as the standard for our behavior, for our attitudes, and for our relationships. So God's Word is—we're attempting to live that out as His people. Uh, there is a commitment in a solid church to do what He says, to evaluate what we do and why we do it. And as you're having conversations with the believers in a church, to ask them why you do what you do, th this should come out, that we're trying to be biblical. We're trying to do what Jesus said, and, and we're, we're happy to evaluate and continue to learn and grow. That's awesome if that also comes out. But this is the kind of conversation that will help you, is to talk about why the church does what it does. Uh, how do they do what they do? And you should hear in that answer some of this love for God and His Word. Hand in hand with that, with that I, I want to see an emphasis on active obedience, so that biblical foundation is one thing, but an emphasis on living it out, an actual practical, we're trying to do this, needs to be there as well. So practical daily obedience and a willingness to follow Jesus need to be encouraged and supported by the church. It's not just what happens on Sunday morning, but it's how do you live your life. Um, every person really should be challenged to be a Berean. When you talk to people in the church— is it evident that they are reading the Bible themselves, that they're making personal application, that they're learning and growing? I mean, my clear view and clear understanding is the goal for every believer 
is that you are a self-feeding Christian who is engaged with other people on the mission of Jesus to bring God's message of, message of reconciliation to the world. That's what I believe the church is. It's a group of individual priests. We have the priesthood of the believer who we are actively studying God's word, applying it to our own life. We're engaged with other believers who are doing the same thing. We're in the same place, pursuing the same goal to bring God's message of reconciliation to the world, to see his church built up to be healthy, vibrant, and alive. So there has to be this emphasis on active, practical obedience throughout your day, throughout your week, throughout your month, throughout your life. And if you see that, and people are really challenged in that way, that's one of the things that makes a lot of the big problems of the church difficult if you have a group of people who love each other, who are all individually looking at God's Word and applying it, they're going to be in a healthier place when there's disagreement. Because the disagreement is not us attacking each other, but it's us looking at God's Word and saying, help me to understand it. Uh, Show me how you see this differently than I do. I I want to understand God's Word and I want to apply it as it is. So that's our goal, not for me to win an argument or for you to win an argument. We're in a healthier place if that is our goal. That's how we're evaluating our decisions. And above all, if we have those things that are not biblical decisions, but they're things about how to use the property or something like that, I'm willing for for my way to be shoved aside because I want the church to be unified. I want the church to be uh, glorifying God and to have a healthy um, influence in the community. So I don't need to get what I want. I want to see God glorified. So I'm willing to sacrifice my desires in those things for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the health of the church. And I think when we covenant to that, I mean, that's going to be really, really important. And in the long run, that's really going to help us. So we have to be uh, emphasizing active obedience, personally following Jesus. Hand in hand with that, the church is training and encouraging people to be disciple makers. This is the church that is supporting that individual freedom to pursue Christ yourself, the individual ability to study and learn from God's word. So following Jesus results in people pouring their lives uh, out for others. So sacrificially giving time and resources to see the family of God grow to maturity. And faith is natural and necessary. We expect that and we teach that. We motivate that. We train that. And we release the church to be active and alive in each other's lives and in the community. So it's not a top-down control by the pastor. The pastor's there to serve. So I think you'll see that in a good, healthy church. The pastor has released ministry. You'll see a lot of people who are serving. If you see almost nobody serving, you seem like the pastor's doing everything, I'm going to be suspicious that this church is going to really help you to grow. Maybe he just hasn't been there very long. Maybe he's not been able to get the church motivated to to do things. But uh, you want to be in a church where you're going to be motivated, trained, and released to serve. And that's both in and out of the church. Thinking about that, I, I really believe the focus for life and for ministry has to be outside that church building. The church life is not the life of the people. It's not or the church life is the life of the people. It's not the service times printed in the bulletin. Relationships are encouraged. Living the one another's is practiced. Small groups are utilized to train leaders, to share the gospel, to build up new believers, and to provide ongoing accountability, encouragement for everybody. Uh, there's a focus on on life, on living a, a healthy, vibrant life of following Jesus. And the church supports that. The church encourages that. And the church gives time for that. Now, some churches are so programmed that there's very little time for for believers really to pursue personal ministry in their neighborhood, in their family, 
uh, with their coworkers. I mean, that takes time, that takes energy, and we want to support that as a church, not to draw everyone into preparing for a Sunday service uh, or a church-based ministry. Those things are valuable, they're good, but they need to be kept in their place where uh, they are part of training new leaders, they are part of preparing people, they are part of our outreach to the community, but they shouldn't supplant the ministry that we are doing as individuals. So the last thing that I would really want to emphasize is there's a very clear command for us to love one another, and that needs to be lived out. And, you know, that's that's hard to evaluate. As you're going to visit a church, you're not going to be able to walk in the first day and necessarily know that this command is, is lived out because there are churches that are very friendly to visitors that have a lot of infighting. I, I think that's odd. <laughs> that's strange that that can be true, but it is. You want to see a church where forgiveness and confession and sharing testimonies of God's grace and things like that are are common, where that's natural, where people do ask for forgiveness, where people do confess that, you know, this didn't go as I intended and I, I failed. Perfection is not something that we're expecting. Mistakes are made. Now, we understand that. So all kinds of people with all kinds of problems are welcomed and embraced with grace and with God's love. And at the same time, we do understand God does change us. So when we say we love each other, we accept each other, we welcome each other, we give grace, it doesn't mean that there's not the expectation of change. But the expectation of change comes with a hug. (laughs) It comes with God's grace and a healthy dose of the love of God. I I want to support you in your growth. I don't want to beat you into changing. That's not my role. Uh, My goal is to invite you into the change that God does. God loves you. God wants you to be more like Jesus in your attitudes, in your actions, in your relationships. He wants you to have the joy and the peace that passes understanding. And how do we have that? Well, it's when we pursue Jesus. It's when we flee unrighteousness, when we pursue righteousness and holiness, when we pursue the relationships that uh, God has offered us in the church through the Holy Spirit with Himself. Uh, All these things are tied together. So, you know, it's it's all good to look for a good church to be part of. I mean, it's a task to take seriously. Just don't look for a perfect church. It does not exist. <laughs> you, you can't find it. I mean, it's, it's not out there. You need to look for a church that you can contribute to, one that you can joyfully join and help be the church God intends it to be. Bring your best to the church and offer your best to the church. Don't come looking for what you can get out of it. Look for what you can give. Invest in the lives of other people in the church. Uh, commit to be a giver, and I, financially certainly, but more than that, commit to invest in the members of the church and help them grow. Help them uh, grow in the understanding of who God is, of what God's doing in the world. Invite them into your life. Um, build up every member and make Jesus the center of every relationship in and out of the church. I mean, that's really our goal. So if we do that, will everything be perfect? <laughs> no, it won't. It'll never be perfect. But the church is God's loved family. The church will remain a messy part to be a messy group to be part of. But God loves his bride. And we should too. Uh, it, it is so easy to come up with excuses for why we don't want to be part of God's family. It's so easy to go to church, quote unquote, and not be part of the church, to not use our gifts, our abilities to lift up this beautiful body. Do your part. I really encourage you. I think it's 
it's good for us. <laughs> Thanks for joining me today. Check out runwithhorses.net for show notes and past shows. And whatever you do, keep running.